when you are trying to create value for yourself or certainly you know your customers, your clients or whomever, you have to be aligned on what value looks like and ask the question, what value looks like for both of you and if the alignment exists. This is your Badass Journey podcast. I am Kareen Walsh, serial entrepreneur, executive leadership coach, and author of the Be a Badass Six Tools to Uplevel Your Life. Each week, I will bring you a guest or a thought that will help you integrate who you really are with what you do. I call that living a badass life. Are you with me? Let's go. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening. Today on your Badass Journey podcast, we're talking to Sinead Condon. And I cannot wait to share this conversation with you. Sinead and I met a few years back when we both became integral agile wizards. And for those of you who don't know, as an agile coach, we go through many different certifications and programs in order to help our clients deliver agile methods. But what's beautiful about Sinead's story, and and you'll hear it from her directly, is that she actually launched her first company at 18 years old, hired people. And she shares today the value exchange that she learned way back when that shows up even now in how she builds teams with CA and how she also influences her clients as she moves forward in her advisory role as a change agent. So what's beautiful about Sinead is that she has a vast exposure to living in different cities. And she also shares with us today how she breaks through fear and uses common methods to not only step forward into her greatness, but also show that she is a badass every single day. Are you ready? Let's listen ahead. Well, welcome, Sinead. I am so excited to have you on today um, on your Badass Journey podcast. This is so awesome because when we met a few years ago, we both became wizards together, which is like, (laughs) which is, oh, like, it's the funniest probably title I think I have as part of my credentials when we became Integral Agile Wizards. But we are way more than just that uh, credential. And I'm really excited to have you on today. And I would love, Sinead, for you to just introduce yourself a bit to our listeners and also give us a little bit about your background and where you are today. Okay. So I hail from Ireland. And uh, I came to the States back in 98, which seems like... Talk about journeys. That was, uh, that was quite a long time ago. But uh, uh, when I moved here in 98, I moved straight to Silicon Valley. I was hired into a consulting firm that was based out of the Valley. And I stayed there for about... Well, I didn't stay there for about 8 years, but I was in Silicon Valley for 8 years. I've always been in tech. Um, started my first company when I was 18. And and uh, just loved being entrepreneurial, loved getting exposure to lots of different industry and no better way to do that than to be in consulting and getting to travel. Uh, and then uh, my consulting brought me to, um, to, to Europe. I was back and forth to Europe for a while, uh, mostly in Germany. 
And uh, and then I I wound up taking some time off, some badly needed time off for about five years. And in that period of time, actually, my husband, then my um, my my new husband and I, uh, moved to New York, um, which was supposed to be for nine months, but we wound up staying there for uh, for another eight years, uh, which was not the plan. And in that time, um, I now had two babies. Um, <laughs> And uh, interestingly enough, I, I think in that five years that I, you know, some people would say took a beat from, from the journey, it brought me on another journey, which was uh, I started writing children's books and I got an interior design degree, which I had always wanted to do. So I'm, I'm, I'm certainly not the... I, I don't think any new mom is to kind of sit down and, and uh, just let life go by because there's just... <laughs> There's, there's actually a couple of things I think that happen when you have to re-identify who you are as a person. And that is, you look at life very differently and you see the world through a very different lens. And I had a bucket list that I always wanted to do. And I'm like, what better time to do it than that kind of five five-year hiatus, if you will. And then I went back to work. And now I work for a company called CA Technologies. It is uh, the fifth largest independent software company in the world. We've got about 14,000 employees, about $4.5 billion. For those of you that are listening, if you haven't heard of CA Technologies, it's because it's mostly back-end, right? It's all IT infrastructure and security. Um, but 98% of the companies in the world use CA Technologies to run their businesses um, in IT. And uh, I'm really blessed to run an internal practice there called Enterprise Agility, which is um, basically looking at the enterprise as a system and seeing how what holds us back in terms of what makes us go slow and how we can get faster. And that can be anything from our egos and arrogance that we tend to trip over to skills, to mindset. So it's all of those things. And Kareen, you and I are uh, people slash human junkies, right? Yeah. Um, so I'm really lucky to find myself doing that every day. Yeah, it's so amazing, Sinead, because to be able to be a entrepreneurial mindset in an, in, as an entrepreneur now for such a large company that has so many dynamics when it, when it comes to service and delivery and growth and impact and that human factor makes such a difference right like the the focus on the humanity of it all and figuring out how that fits into process and technology i love that space i, yeah. I completely do yeah and you know what's been interesting for me too is and i draw some parallels even you know when i look at myself okay i'm one person but i look at ca technologies as big as it is as an as an entity as one person if you will right and the changes and the evolution that CA has has gone through, like many companies, right? 40-year-old company mm-hmm. that has had to re-identify itself, that has to had kind of redefined or rebranded itself throughout the years with new technologies and just, you know, take a step back uh, every now and again and say, who do we want to be? Right? Mm-hmm. What are we trying to do? Who do we want to be in service to? What's our purpose? Right. And it might be a big beast, right? A machine, but they're the same questions, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and you have to respond to them on a larger scale, but a lot of the same parallels I draw in terms of re-identifying and, and, and just evolving as a system, right? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and treating it as its own organism. That's right. right? Yeah, and That's and right. and feeding it, planting it, grooming it. Exactly. Yeah, which is beautiful. I mean, I have seen a little bit of you in action, and I could totally. Uh, you know, see what an impact you must have, especially leading teams, because you started so young. You know, you just you just almost gave it like a sound bite. The fact that your first business was at the age of eighteen, yeah, which you know you had to flex several muscles, I'm sure, at that point. But do you mm-hmm. have learnings from that time, those badass moments back then, that bring you that like trigger even today certain activities? Yeah, and actually, it's called. Uh, uh, people that work with me and for me cringe when they hear this because it's. Uh, I call it the paperclip moment in my life, right? Mm-hmm. And so my paperclip moment is, and and your listeners will, will maybe get a giggle out of this. When I started that first company back when I was eighteen, of course, I thought I could accomplish the world. Those of you that don't know me, I'm five foot two. I'm like ninety pounds soaking wet. So when I was eighteen, I looked like maybe a ten year old, probably right with pigtails. Uh, but I thought I could do everything, right? And you know, when you're starting off, and I have two kids now, my oldest is fifteen. A lot of folks, and especially adults, say, you know, um, and and many risk adverse. It can't be done. You can't do it. Nobody's going to pay attention to you. And I got all of that when I was eighteen, right? I had people telling me something couldn't be done, and that made me even more eager to want to do it, right? Um, but I hired um, probably in the first year, um, I had four, four or five people working for me. And, and one of those folks was my receptionist, right? Because I would have people come in and, and, and want to get our services. And I was out busy one day and, and uh, I came in and she was on the phone. And I had uh, I had to buy all my own stuff, right? These days we call it bootstrapping, right? In the, in the startup <laughs> world, but I was bootstrapping. I mean, I was literally everything came out of my own pocket, and and uh, you know I didn't have any any funding necessarily. So I would go to what is called Staples, and you know you know here, but you know our local office store, and I would buy my box of paper clips, right? And they would be in her drawer, uh-huh. and so. I walked in one day horrified to see that she was on the phone and she had a box of paper clips and she would take each of the paper clips out as she was talking to whomever she was talking to. And she would straighten them and put them in a pile. <gasps> oh no. Oh my God. And I was 18, but I tell you something, that yeah. those were my paper clips. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's kind of the moment because I said to her, What are you doing? And she said, I'm I'm on the phone. I said, No, what are you doing with the paper clips? And she said, I'm I'm, they're only paper clips. I'll never forget it, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's a long time ago. She said, but they're only paper clips. And I said, but they're my paper clips and I had to buy them, right? I've told everybody that's ever worked for me the paper clip story because even though I work for a large corporation, or if you work for anybody or even yourself, in large corporations, you think of it like monopoly money. It's not my money. You know, it's, you know, I just have to expense everything. But I do look at it like that because. Yeah. When you have accountability and autonomy to to own something, you have to look at it like you own it. Yeah. Obviously, I don't buy my own paper clips today and work, but I still have a budget and I still have to yeah. I have to purchase them, right? It's just a different way of looking, I think, through the lens of of accountability um, and not abusing it, you know? Yeah. Every single person that works for me in, in CA knows that when they see a paperclip, they're reminded of what their responsibility is and, and what they're in service to. 
I don't know if that makes any That's sense. That's beautiful. No, I, I love it because it creates a consciousness, right? Like That's so right. many That's of us exactly can, right. are walking through unconscious living. That's you know? right. And especially in the workspace, it can become so much that hamster wheel of just conforming and following and, and sometimes abusing, right? Like even when you sit at your desk and you're hired for something and you're having complacent moments, that is, you're lessening what I call the value exchange of why you're there and what you're meant to deliver against and earning that check. It takes an investment of your time as well as expertise in order to, to bring in that income. But then also that value that your employer sees in you is also exchanged back to them and the value you produce. So it, it's just creating that consciousness for, for yeah. in, in the object itself, you know, and yeah. especially, you know, we have a lot of listeners that are startups and entrepreneurs and just trying to figure out what is that mindset to go after what they truly want. We also have listeners that are in that track of wanting to advance in their work life and their career life and, and not necessarily sure how to go about it. And what you just brought up is beautiful. It's about being conscious. It is. And you know what? It, it's something that I, I, I guess I didn't have the language for at the time, but my value system, right? And my value system, although it has evolved, back then, you know, when I was 18 year, years old and, and I was so conscious of wanting to be... Obviously, I wanted to be successful, but the way in which I had to do it and when you know, this other person was abusing that, I don't think they were obviously conscious that they were doing it. it wasn't, there was no ill intent in it, but their value system was different to mine. Exactly. And I think the badass moment for me in, in that was, you know, we, we went our separate ways very quickly, right? Yeah. Um, and I needed to get somebody who understood the paper trick. Right? And, and it, it formed your value system too, the, the ability to articulate it. Because I'd say it that's is. the other uh, struggle sometimes in humanizing work environments comes down to communication. It, it, it does. It does. And, and obviously, if I had my time all over again, you know, when I think back at that 18-year-old, I didn't know necessarily to, to sit down and talk about what brand looks like necessarily or or you know there was there's a lot of a lot of things I, I would probably do differently but but even then you know the value system that I had was was the most important thing to me. Yeah. I mean I, I literally had a um a coaching session I'll share this with you because I think you'd appreciate it where one of my my clients was struggling about wanting to become a partner in his business. You know, he had been an executive and and trying to figure out, you know, and um, how to stay on and and become a partner in this firm. And when we were in our session, I mean, he was he was just so emotional about it. it felt like as if he was being um, undermined or or overpassed. I don't know what the right word is, but but basically feeling as though he wasn't being valued. He felt that that all of this was, you know, he's putting everything out there and he's put a proposal together, etc. And I just had to stop him and ask him what is important to them that have they articulated to you what is important to them so that you can figure out that that value exchange that makes sense. That's right. Because That's, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. And I, and I, you know, I say this to people, obviously I do do a lot of speaker events and sessions and, and value comes up a lot. And clearly, you know, you and I have, um, a lot of exposure to the agile mindset where yes. we talk about value all the time. And 
And you know, one of the first things I say to people is value is subjective, right? Your idea of value and my idea of value may be different. Doesn't mean that it's any less value for you or I, mm-hmm. but it may be different, right? Right. And when you are trying to create value for yourself or certainly, you know, your customers, your clients or whomever, you have to be aligned on what value looks like and ask the question, what value looks like for both of you and if the alignment exists. Uh, it's it's such a critical part of creating that value system that that you're working towards. Yeah, and it helps you walk alongside mm-hmm. people um, versus miscommunications that becomes sometimes sure. combative because you just didn't understand right. what yeah. those values were. You know, so mm-hmm. it's it's really great just to even dialogue on it because I think it, it is a topic that if more people thought about that when they started to feel the triggers inside, right? Like the trigger of emotion, the, the upset, the anger, similar to... I mean, obviously now you have so many years of experience in so many different environments where that 18-year-old version of you and that lesson learned back then still breathes life today to quickly articulate your value system. That, well, that's... That's right. And I'm, I even look at, you know, where I am right now and where I even was 18 months ago. You know, I mean, three years ago, we came back to, New, to uh, California from New York. And, you know, now I have a 15 year old and my value system is continuing to evolve. Right. Of course. And I could sit down, you know, today and say, what are my values today? Because they are probably, I have not even probably, they are different to what they were 12, 18 months ago. You know, sure. but it's asking the question of myself to yeah. be purposeful about saying, what do I hold valuable today? Yeah, that's beautiful. If you were to um, describe the, I guess, the environment or the, the challenges you love to tackle and find solutions for, because I know you're so solution-driven, how would you describe what it looks like when you're flexing all your muscles um, in in the arena that you work within, flexing all the muscles. I just had an image that was very very scary. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there are a couple of things that come to mind. Um, one is, and I don't know if I ever shared this with you, but oftentimes when I'm doing a session with a group of people, and and I certainly like sessions, and and you and I, I, I think are aligned on this. The physicality of 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 certain exercises or activities, right, that we do when we're doing working sessions. But I ask a question oftentimes um, of people at the beginning and towards the end of a session. And that is, you know, where we do a constellation. I don't know if your listeners know what a constellation is, right? So you ask a a, a question where it's more of a declaration of a truth. And if it's true for them, they go into the center. And if it's not true for them, they, you know, they go far away from the center and it's all relative to that, that center point. But I ask the question, or declare the, the truth statement, I see greatness in me. Mm. And, and not many people go into the center. And, and I, I really, I, I struggle with that. Now, sometimes, and, and I giggle a little bit because I've done it with different people in different parts of the world. And people get tripped up on, well, what do you mean by greatness? I mean this by greatness. Do you mean that by greatness? And it kind of everybody overthinks it. And I'm like, no, like the value in you, like what impact you want to create in the world for yourself. And there are so many people that feel that they don't have the power to do that. And whether I'm working in a large company, whether I'm advising a startup, I really want to tap into that. Because 
the life conditions that we find ourselves in are so complex. I mean, there's probably not one person that's listening to this that would say life has been an easy ride or, or you, you know, yeah, I just, you, you know, life is one. We all have something that, that can cause us to, to think twice about things and, and, and look at life in terms of the challenging obstacles that we have. And so me flexing all my muscles really means looking at life conditions that I'm, that I'm surrounded with and how to smooth them out for people, right? Tapping into every single individual that crosses my path and looking at ways to be in service to bringing their true greatness to bear. Whatever that looks for them. And I'm not talking about solving world hunger. Sometimes it's, Jesus, I just want to get up in the morning and be able to think straight with a cup of coffee in my hand <laughs> because I haven't been able to do that. I mean, seriously, you know. Mm-hmm. But there's a beauty in, in looking at that and tapping into that, what that means for each and every one of us uh, and, and bringing that to bear and allowing the space for it to exist. It's, and not to, to kind of overburden the statement, but there are so many people that I've met, even in you know, large corporations that just don't have a guiding compass. They go to work every day, but they're not sure what they're even doing. You know, mm-hmm. And uh, it's quite tragic, really. Yeah, it's a, it's a disconnect, right? Like they're, they're disconnected from their truth of what they would have potentially wanted for life or even just to ask themselves the, the questions. And, and it's, it's beautiful that you can create a space for people to ask of themselves, you know, what is my, am I, am I great? You know, what am I great at even? What do I desire? What do I want? You know, and as coaches, we, we tend to create permission to dive in, to be received in a way that is welcoming. And no matter what they say, it's the truth to them. And you just are a reflection of saying, yeah, you matter. What you think matters. And there's value to that. It can be such a harsh world in the no, right? No, that's not possible. No, you're, you can't do that. No, that, that's not it for right now. And people start to live smaller and stop dreaming because of belief in the no. And I love that that's where you feel your strongest is creating those environments because it's so needed, especially in a group setting. People need to see it of each other too, right? Because when you dialogue with one, you're dialoguing with many. Yeah. And and, I mean, even even to to extend beyond, oftentimes I, I may not necessarily... If I have the opportunity to create, fantastic. But often it's a case of... And it goes back to building the muscle or flexing those muscles, <laughs> influence that space, right? And, and certainly in, in my environment, it can be rather challenging to influence space. Uh, you know, the, the life conditions that, that people find themselves in. You know, I say to people, what do you have control over? And what do you not have control over? And we'll figure out the part that we don't have control over and see what that looks like. And if we can influence it in some way, um, but oftentimes I've, I've met people who believe that they have no control over something they actually do, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and can get rather paralyzed and kind of wear the shackles of that. And, and it's a case of, of asking the question 
what is it that you have control over and creating even a space for that beforehand? Yeah. I, they actually totally. have more control over stuff than they realize often. Yeah. You know, it's funny because I have the, I constantly flex the muscle of what do I have control over because I know I can take action faster in those arenas than what's new. That's you know, right. whenever, whenever I'm in a, even, and I coach my clients that way too, especially when I'm going into environments, generally I get called in to deliver, help deliver something or fix a problem. Like I, sometimes I'm considered the closer, you know, like I gotta come in to those type of environments. And a lot of the times in my, when I'm coaching executives, I say, well, let's define what you currently are in control of. 100%. What are you in control of? Because that arena you can impact right now. That's right. So let's, let's get some wins and let's, let's get into action. And then it's like, okay, what feels out of control? Because I bet you if we start assessing and analyzing what feels out of control, we can find the mechanisms to bring it back in. Yeah. You know? and, 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 yeah. And that's the, you know, there's a, there's a model that I like to use. Not that I, you know, I'm, uh, I, I want to pitch the, the models that, I, that, I, that I, I favor, but there is a model that I like that's very consumable for any person. It doesn't matter whether you're working or you're not working. It just, it's called the driver's model by a friend of mine called Michael Wilkinson. Mm-hmm. And, and it asks a bunch of questions. And I use it obviously from consulting if I'm in doing a strategy session with an executive, but I've also used it with individuals to say, you know, the, and the question is asked was, okay, so where are you trying to get to, right? So the kind of the obvious questions, where are you trying to get to? Where are you today? And the interesting thing about where you are today, it's perception based because it's where you are and where you actually, where you really are, where you think you are and where you really are. Yeah. And then, you know, the third part is, what's holding you back. And what's interesting about what you said, and I think we have to be very mindful of this as human beings, is that our natural lean is to focus on what's holding us back. Uh-huh. Right? To, to, to your point. And, and I, I have to say to people, we could spend all day in there. right? That is our, our natural lean as humans to want to do that. But if we switch that to what are the things that are actually going to drive me forward? What are the types of things that can propel me forward? Then those that hold me back don't seem so bad, Mm -hmm. right? It's shifting the energy in the way we think about things to a large extent. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's a conditioning that started through schooling from a very young age. We were always told what we got wrong and focused on what was wrong, uh, you know, why we didn't get the A, what was the missing points, and never the amount that was done that was enough, that was great, that was amazing, you know, because of that comparison model that's created so young in our lives. So the behavioral change that has to occur as we, as we step into our adult lives, right? And we have that control and we can flip the switch. It's a choice. It is completely a choice. I mean, I love letting people just remind them of that. Like you are comparing yourself to a phantom right now. You have a choice to step into what exactly it is that you want. And it's a beautiful um, awareness as well as permissioning, as well as strength, you know, to, to realize that the 75% of the things that you do amazing are maybe three times more than the person next to you would accomplish. Right. If you just focused on that 75% and not the 25% that's yeah. missing. No, very, very true. And I love that because I hope people listening benefit from that and try it on. Mm-hmm. You know? 
Like yeah. try, try focusing on your greatness, like you said. Mm-hmm. And that self-image that shows up, the perception then actually starts to match reality a little bit <laughs> if, you can, if you can focus on that. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, just to acknowledge too, and, and you know, the fact that it, it, it's scary. It's scary to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we all have fear, right? Um, and, and it's okay to say that. You know, I'm afraid or I'm fearful of this or I'm fearful of that. Hey, if we didn't have any fear, then we'd be off doing lots of things and getting ourselves into trouble left, right, and center, right? You know, again, not to let it shackle us either. Right. Really, it's finding the balance there. What are your personal methods um, for combating fear when fear arises for you? I mean, I know you like, you're a risk taker and you can jump into things, but we're, it's all natural for us to have those sensations. Do you have any? common practices for you to break through fear? Gosh, I'm a real pen and pencil. I mean, first I was going to answer with Cosmopolitans, but then that probably would not be appropriate. But <laughs> hey, if it's real. A, a sign of having a Cosmo. No. Um, <laughs> I'm a real pen and pencil girl. You know, I mean, I, I, I'm not... I am a risk taker. I've always been a risk taker, but, I, but I'm a smart risk taker, right? I mean, you have to be smart about making those choices, you know, and, and the types of choices that I made back when I was 18 with, you know, no mortgage or no kids or whatever. I mean, yeah. let's be real. The types of risks that I would take then are very different to the types of risks that I would, would take today. But having said that, I think there needs to be structure there. I mean, I tell people all the time, well, let's get a pen and piece of paper out and let's talk about, you know, what, you know, the, the pros and the cons to doing what we're going to do, right? And, and most importantly, I mean, there are a couple of questions that I, I tend to ask myself and to others. And that is when, I, when I'm feeling that I'm leaning towards wanting to make a decision, oftentimes, we will, as humans, again, lean towards, well, here's all the good stuff that's going to happen as a, as a benefit, as an example, right? So I'm going to do this thing. Here's all, all the stuff that's going to happen. The kind of the flip side of that is, what will happen if I don't do it, right? Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, you know what? Because we're risk adverse, oftentimes we'll be like, oh my gosh, you know, all, of, you know, all this bad stuff comes into our, our heads and we kind of spiral into, okay, I'm not going to bother. Um, but really, what's the worst that can happen? And oftentimes, guess what? Nothing, right? Mm-hmm. Nothing's mm-hmm. going to happen. And so I think you have, to, you have to ask that question, but you have to be calculated, right? So what do you have to give up as an example, right? What, what are you willing to give up? What are you willing to do? What are you not willing to do? I have to ask myself those questions every day when I'm making decisions, right? And it's, and it's being intentional about that. So that's what I step into when I'm making decisions. Um, today, good, you know, good big decisions and small decisions, right? Uh, it really is a case of what am I willing to do and what am I not willing to do? Am I willing to put all my money on the line and fear losing my home or, you know, you know, not being able to put my kids through college or whatever that looks like for me? Well, no, I'm not. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean? Does it mean I have to throw it out or does it mean I just have to compromise or modify yeah. my thinking a little bit or start smaller than I planned? I will tell you, I am a kind of a grandiose thinker, right? I mean, I, I'm a, there, there's good and bad in that, right? I don't like the little details. That's why I always surround myself with people that are the detail people, right? Uh, because I'm all about the vision and yeah, let's send a rocket to the moon. Well, we don't have a rocket. Oh, that's just detail, right? <laughs> um, right. 
So I do have to have you know balance around me. Um, and I think that's important too, right? When you're making decisions, because if you're making them in a vacuum, then that's not good either, right? right? You want to have enough people around you, I think, that can support you in your decision-making that are in service to what you're trying to do without being the naysayers. Yeah. Right? But you want to have enough people around you that can help balance out what it is that you're, what you're trying to do. And being smart and intentional and asking the right questions. I think that's really where, where my head goes to when I'm trying to do things. Yeah. And, and, and you're action-oriented. So there's obviously like a threshold of the analysis you'll go through to decide whether you scrap it and say, you know what, it's just not a fit right now. Get back to it later. Or push forward and say, yep, it's time. Let's jump in. Yeah. And, and I will say I, I have to... Because I know I'm a, I'm a big thinker in that respect, the challenge with big thinkers is we can, we, we're shiny object people, right? Mm-hmm. So we look at a shiny object and say, oh my gosh, this is going to be awesome. And then you know, we, we get the endorphins running and we're, we're you know, hoping to, to, to get it done. But guess what? Then we see another shiny object and, and we're now chasing that. So I, I have to say, I am very intentional about whatever it is that I'm trying to create, whatever it is that I'm trying to do, that it's attainable. Yeah. Right? Um, that it, in some form or fashion, you know, whether I have to do it iteratively, that it is attainable. I don't like to declare something into a space if I don't think I can do it. Because I'm not the type of person that likes to have someone come back to me and say, oh, whatever happened to that thing you yeah. were trying to do, right? Yeah, you focus on follow through. I do. I, I'm, I'm, you know, that's where kind of the action orientation comes for me. There has to be follow through. Um, and I like that in myself and I like it in others. I love it. Well, thank you for sharing that part because I think a lot of us can, can get stuck. And it's always good to, to learn new methods or different methods that might be a better fit on how to assess what's in front, why fear is showing up or, or um, you know, a scarcity mindset, and then taking action to, to move forward. So those questions are amazing as well as the activity to write it. But then also make sure it's attainable. You know, like what's that marker or like the KPIs, right? <laughs> like if you were to go forward with it, like how would you measure that that was worthwhile? Um, I always love to share with folks and I use the retrospective exercise that we have in our agile practice. I use it in life all the time because I it helps me let go of the things that don't work or don't serve me and it gives me a point of measure as well. I think that's really important too, you know, is is part of the uh, fear might be showing up because of overwhelm, like doing too much uh, or having too many plates spinning <laughs> and then realizing, oh, well, there's one that doesn't mean as much anymore. So how do I let that go? You know, yeah. th- which is which is great as well. Yeah. So as we um, as we close out our discussion today, and I'm sure we'll have many in the future as well, because I could talk to you forever. Um, we're so aligned in so many ways. I'm curious how you define uh, a badass. Like what what words would you use to describe what a badass is? I, 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 I have to share with your listeners that I was like, I wonder is badass in the dictionary? Like what would, what would, what would the definition of badass be in the dictionary? And it actually was, right? Yeah. <laughs> and one of, one of the things that I saw in there was intimidating. And I was like, okay, so I don't want to be intimidating. I certainly don't want to come off like that, right? But I, I think badass is being, is being intentional. I mean, because I could, you know, I often say to people, don't be like a bull in a china shop, you know, where you, you go in and you're just not thinking things through and 
you know, you're being badass is not being about rude or, or arrogant or speaking dis- in a disrespectful way to people to get what you want. Because I think a lot of people will wear the cloak of saying, oh, I'm a badass, but they have all those attributes. And that's not what it is to me, right? Badass is about getting clarity around what it is that you want to be intentional about and then paving the way for it to happen, right? The badass part is asking the question about, you know, who do I need to have in my circle to make it happen and being badass enough to build those relationships, mm-hmm. get out in front of it and, and build the network if that's something that you need to do, right? Badass is about if I don't understand something and I'm not educated enough, that I'm badass enough to go out and educate myself and, and build the knowledge so that I, I know what I'm doing and I'm asking the right questions, right? Yeah. That's what it means to me, right? Is stepping out in front of it, you know, fear and all, the edge that we have, being smart about it because you don't want to, you know, jump off the cliff without, you know, oh, I'm going to be badass. I'm going to yeah, jump now. <laughs> I have no idea what, you know, that's not to me what it, what it is. Right. Um, but it's being about being purposeful and, and having intention around what you want to do and then setting, your, setting yourself up to be successful. Um, and that there's edge in that. I mean, I talk to people who want to create impact and, and it's great. That's the intention part. But there's hard work attached to that. Mm-hmm. Right? And, yeah. and I think the badass part is, is figuring what that out, what that looks like, and then setting yourself up so that you can actually do it. Yeah. And taking that action once you have that clarity. Yeah, yeah. that's beautiful. Beautiful definition. Thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> so, so if people want to connect with you or learn more about you or have you come speak, you know, how would sure. you like folks to find you and, um, and connect? Yeah. So uh, LinkedIn is always a good one. I'm, I'm always uh, open to people connecting with me on LinkedIn. I do have a website. Uh, very easy. It's my first name and last name. So it's SineadCondon.com. And uh, in that, you get a sense of you know, what I like to do, what I'm passionate about, wh- what value means to me. We talked about that earlier. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I love to connect with people and certainly very passionate about helping people on their journeys. And you do it so well, Sinead. I, I really appreciate your time today. It's been such a pleasure and honor talking with you because you know your exposure in the world the impact you've had the continuous growth i see you going through and it's just thank you thank you for sharing yourself today i love being part of your badass journey so again thanks for joining us and i'll put your information in our show notes so people can connect with you and um again i'm sure we'll chat real soon okay thank you thanks Thank you for joining me today. Before you move on to the next episode, please post a review or share this episode with someone you think would appreciate it. Your feedback and support mean everything to me. For more information, check out yourbadassjourney.com or kareenwalsh.com. I truly believe everyone is capable of living a badass life. Thank you for listening.